Hello, this is Barbara DeGran. I'm an abolitionist vegan from Texas in the USA. You can find me at veganacious.com and you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Welcome to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, episode 51. Go to a cocktail party and say, Hey man, they're chemtrailing us with aluminum. No, it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> well, you could do that. You sound like the tech grouch. Well, you, well, you got to be subtle about it. First, you got to change. <laughs> you got to change your ringtone. Chemtrails. Oh, excuse me, I have an important call. What was? Oh, it's my ringtone. No, that's it. You, you got to kind of ease people into it. So, what's on the agenda today? I'm not sure if I've read these two emails before. I'd like to do them right now so I don't forget again. This note comes from Deborah. Hi Jay, I've been listening to your podcast for some time and thought I would take a bit of time to say hello. I am a youngish lady from California who is an ethical slash abolitionist vegan. I wanted to let you know that your podcasts have touched me in a very positive way. From well across the world, your voice rings through my iPod. I feel a certain kinship with you and your chicken friends. It warms my heart to hear someone, especially a man, admit they have deep, lasting feelings towards someone that is not of our species. All animals are interconnected in their love of life and intelligence. I am hoping this brief note finds you well. Oh, can I be an honorary member of your vegan clan? Listening and writing, Deborah. Deborah is a nurse at a Californian state prison. You meet all kinds of people while promoting veganism. I attended a cooking class and I was allowed to get up front of the group of 12 or so with my iPad and wearing a It's Easy to Be Vegan t-shirt made by lovely Emmy James of Hamilton, New Zealand. And I showed a few photos of what my friends around the world are doing. I showed photos of Alice Leonard of Angel Food, which is www.angelfood.co.nz, of Elizabeth Collins cooking, Sam Tucker's, a Cafe Gratitude location in California, and my own simple meals. On the walk home, in my cheerful vegan shirt, carrying bags from my own show and Elizabeth Collins' NZ Vegan Podcast, www.nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com, I met a Buddhist nun in the Otapuni Gardens. I recognized her robe, similar to the Dalai Lama's, and mentioned the cooking class. I gave her one of my Invercargill Vegan Society cards and we exchanged a few words. It was a nice feeling. I'd picked up a few beer bottles and cans on my way over to her, a vegan and a nun, sitting in the Otapuni Gardens where, earlier that morning, as in 2am or so, there would have been roving gangs of young hoodlums binge drinking, getting in fights, shooting themselves up with drugs, and, for a bit of fun, smashing bottles over each other's heads. Also, I have a letter from Alan, who mentions the Australian idiots Hamish and Andy, with Hamish having to be shortened to Haim, six-letter names of a boatin in Australia. 
The radio guys had been making some jokes at my city's expense while they were here, one of them starring in a movie about white trash idiots, so of course the movie had to be set here in Invercargill, where the vegan society is one member, although at least a few other vegans apparently live here and will be soon chloroformed and dragged into membership. Hi Jay, or G'day. Way to rhyme, Alan. With lyrical skills like that, y'all be making a killam. Congratulations on your podcast. I think Barbara's Veganacious podcast and your podcast are two best podcasts on veganism. Please don't think all Australians are like those two radio DJs. I have been to Invercargill. It was in January 1968, and I was on a schoolboys cricket tour that I was lucky enough to be selected in. The tour started in Auckland, and we played all over New Zealand. What I can remember of Invercargill was that it was bloody cold in January. I will always remember the tour for the friendliness of the families that I was billeted with. I am 60, and have been a vegan for around 12 years. I was vegetarian before that for about 5 years. Like most, I just moved through the various stages, and then realised that the only way to go was to become a vegan. I am always astounded at how people spend hours saving a beached whale, and whether successful or not, then go off patting themselves on the back to have a meal at McDonald's, or go home and eat some shellfish that has been boiled alive. Looking forward to hearing more of your podcasts. Kind regards, Alan. Thank you both very much, Deborah and Alan. It's always nice to hear that someone's listening out there. I'd love to have more feedback about last episode, the pilot for my new show idea, This Week in Vegan. For now, I'll let the idea simmer, perhaps with enough interest it can go ahead. If you listen to the show, hello. I'd love to hear from you. Is it an email you've sent? My email address is jaywontdart at gmail.com, J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T at gmail.com. Here's a good story. Fed farmers take funny out of funny farm. Funny thing happened on the way to the first ever funniest farming video competition. Federated Farmers announced today that it was offering an iPad 2 for the funniest farming video. Then it retracted the announcement. It later issued a PC version of the press release, editing out advice by the Federation's chief executive, Connor English, that, like most other workplaces, sometimes we all just need to let off some steam, let down our hair, and take the piss out of ourselves. His exhortation that it's about time everyone had a laugh was also removed, along with the mention that New Zealand as a whole has had a rough time of it lately. His suggestion that we are all guilty of taking ourselves too seriously from time to time, was also taken out. Instead, would-be competitors were given the more po-faced farming is critical to New Zealand's success, but our rural areas are also the source of many light-hearted events. The competition for townies and their country cousins closes on May 31st. Lots of common rural New Zealand speak there. Hmm, I'd never thought of it before, but all Federated Farmers really are is a lobby group that petitions the New Zealand government for even more favours. I'm saving the others for a future episode, but here I can't resist using a clip from King of the Hill. I love Dale, the wacky conspiracy theorist, my favourite character by far. He offers the single best Halloween costume ever, dressed in a suit and tie, and saying... Ah! Trick or treat! Trick or treat! Trick or treat! Boo! I am a high-priced Washington lobbyist peddling influence. Who wants candy? Trick or treat! Trick or treat.
I know what I'll be dressing up as this year. That is, if we had American celebrations here, like throwing toilet paper and things that come from a Miss Hen's backside at those who don't give you enough lollies. Hey, if you want to hear a really funny joke, though, check out this next news story. Fonterra is rejecting calls for an inquiry into how milk prices are set. The company says prices are set as part of a normal commercial process and that New Zealanders have to get used to being part of the global market. It's a market that's so strong, dairy farmers could have their best year ever. Simon Shepherd reports. The world still wants our white gold and Fonterra says as part of that world, that's how the milk price is set. We don't see any need to get to, for anybody to, frankly, to dig into um, a normal commercial market. A coalition of consumer groups and the Green Party want a Commerce Commission investigation into milk prices because it claims Fonterra has a virtual monopoly. And is this virtual monopoly one of the reasons behind the extremely high prices uh, of milk in New Zealand? Fonterra has frozen the wholesale price of its domestic milk until the end of the year. A business decision, it says but it won't entertain the idea of keeping domestic pricing separate from the international demand. The world's globalising, you know, and whether it's dairy, whether it's energy, whether it's oil, you know, the prices are pretty much the same everywhere. So, you know, New Zealand is integrated into the global market and I don't think that's going to change. Global demand means farmers are on target for a cash payout of about $7.75 a kilo of milk powder, equal to the record high. That kind of payout means the average dairy farmer would receive $890,000. Good news for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean there will be a spending spree. Some of them overextended themselves, and their uh, chief responsibility now uh, and priority is to pay down that debt. And dairy farmers are being warned by Fonterra. No one can predict how long the milk market will stay this high. Simon Shepherd, 3 News. Yes, Fonterra. Or as Sam Tucker put it, Fonterra. Surely one of New Zealand's largest groups, a monopoly. An evil cabal on the stolen breast milk taken from other cows industry, telling us, hey guys, <laughs> nah, we're all good, you don't need to regulate us or check out our books. We're just a gigantic monopoly involved in an unethical industry, you can trust us. <laughs> because we all know Fonterra have always been known for being polite and to the point. Okay, I mean, I am under the understanding that you induce cows on your farm, is that right? Hey, we weren't going to go here. Uh, do you, do you hey, induce, hey, do you hey, induce cows on your farm? No, 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 Seen in the earlier news video I played, a farm worker pushes the cows as they are milked, shoving them and reaching for a plastic pipe, taking a step towards them as if to lunge and give them a flogging. I asked about the stick on the farming message board section of TradeMe, New Zealand's largest site, a sort of eBay clone. Wading through the comments about my supposed sexuality, here's the best answer given by one fat boy's wife. The stick is generally made of alkathene pipe. It's like an arm lengthener, laugh out loud. You can lightly tap the side of a cow further up their body where your arm can't reach. If you don't get the cow standing in the correct place, they can be dangerous, as in they'll have too much room, and be able to kick or turn around and send cups flying around everywhere. The stick isn't the problem, it's the user that can potentially be. 
great. So in a country where we are against physical discipline of children, i.e. smacking or spanking them, a big outroar about banning smacking, we carry around lengths of plastic pipe to quote, lightly tap farm animals. Right, and what happens if they don't do what they are told? I'm sure the farmers never hit them harder, right? Everything to do with the so-called dairy industry is awful. I wouldn't run a campaign, ban the stick and spoil the cows. We'd be here all day imagining new terms, factory pipe beating. To waste millions of donated dollars and years of campaigning. New Zealand's clean green image is important to us, why jeopardise that by assaulting chattel property? Open-handed spanking is Temple Grandin endorsed and far more humane. Let's not be cruel, guys. No, let's instead promote veganism. Although, as we all know, that's hazardous to small children. Vegans charged after death of breastfed only baby. Two strict vegans have been charged with neglect or food deprivation after the death of their breastfed 11-month-old daughter. The child was found to have been suffering from vitamin deficiency. The French couple, uh, Serguin and Joel Le Molagou, called an ambulance to their home in uh, St. Molvis in March 2008. Their daughter had died by the time paramedics arrived. The ambulance crew noticed the baby was pale and thin, and a doctor refused to issue a death certificate, according to The Guardian. The police were then alerted. A post-mortem showed the child weighed 5.7 kilograms, when she should have been about 8. She was also suffering from deficiency of vitamins A and B12. At the time of their daughter's death, the couple was running an organic food business and refused to eat any animal products. The child was only being fed by her then 37-year-old mother's milk. She died of a pneumonia-related illness. Being overly opinionated, I left a comment. It's sad to see these stories being played up. I've heard vegan bashing from reported incidents of vegan-fed babies who were raised by religious parents in communes fed only apples. Oh, it's technically vegan. Let's blame veganism. I'd be blaming crappy parenting. Please get in touch with your local vegan society. I'm sure there are many families who'd be happy to show you that vegans do not force their children to eat solely apples slash rock slash chewing gum wrappers slash breast milk forever. My American friend Lucas has a great blog, Our Vegan Pregnancy, www.rveganpregnancy.blogspot.com. It's as easy to be vegan as not, and it's the least other animals deserve. Not to be seen as things or isn't it, but respected as our friends. If you are interested in learning more about veganism, please visit www.abolitionistapproach.com. Like adults who drink breast milk, there's a time to be weaned. And then I have the link to, uh, okay, it's in German, uh, vegetaria slash sin slash morder dot de slash abgestilt slash page equals English. <laughs> I have a link to that on the blog. <laughs> Jordan Wyatt, Invercargill Vegan Society. But I always screw these things up. I should have phrased the ending, there's a time to be weaned, and that includes adults who drink breast milk, with the link to the We Are Weaned site. I also add a letter to the Southland Express newspaper published too, because my self-righteousness knows no limits. I like playing characters. Here, I'm an old crank, living off the government but feeling seriously underappreciated by the world. Everybody else owes me something. And, in that style, here's the abridged letter that was printed. 
The latest printed edition had a rather horrible cover photo. I walked home past a butcher shop and a dairy processing factory to open my letterbox and see a photo of beautiful, majestic, gentle birds being shot to death. And knowing my tax dollars are funding this, I have many Canadian friends, and I like Canada, not Canadian, geese. Like almost all our pests, they were introduced by hunters for the thrilling game of killing other animals. Look at these wonderful animals, and who can migrate so far, who live in large families and have a natural grace. Boom, we blew her wing off. Yeah, pass me another beer. Introduced as living targets, and then we have the nerve to complain when they breed faster than we can kill them. Jordan Wyatt, Invercargill Vegan Society. Like the pen that apparently beats the sword, in this case, making love, not war, won out. Hmm, maybe I can pull off doing different characters, ringing up local talkback stations to complain. People paying attention would notice that, uh, there's an old guy, uh, a student, and a woodworker in that vegan society we have here in Invercargill. Yeah, I'd always identify myself as Jordan Wyatt, but with different voices, couldn't that be heard as different people, i.e. more than one guy? <laughs> the Invercargill Vegan Society already has established chapters in Auckland, New Zealand, Texas in America, and Ireland, Europe. Surely, we can do with split personalities calling in Invercargill media outlets. Another idea I had for promoting veganism. I've noticed different groups that nobody's ever heard of who donate trees to the city. These trees in public parks have a plaque by them. This tree planted by Sir Optimist <laughs> International to commemorate the year 2000, etc. Turns out this Sir Optimist, Sir Optimist Prime International from Wikipedia is a worldwide volunteer service organization for business and professional women who work to improve the lives of women and girls in local communities and throughout the world through their general category one consultative status as a non-governmental organization at the United Nations. Gee, i got to put that on my business card. The organization claims to seek equality, peace, and international goodwill. The mission statement of the organization is, through international partnerships and a global network of members, Seroptimist Prime inspire action and create opportunities to transform the lives of women and girls by advocating for equality and equity creating safe and healthy environments, increasing access to education, developing leadership and practical skills for a sustainable future. The term apparently comes from the Latin sora, that's how I say it anyway, or sister, an optimist meaning best or optimist prime, uh, best for sisters. Well I'll be damned if New Zealand girls are to be taught reading and writing in my lifetime. We're running this country unsustainably. Four million population. It's not like we need females to sustain the population, right? Just so long as we all live forever. No running with scissors, guys. Then we neither become overpopulated nor extinct. See, this is why the UN pay me the big bucks. I think it would be quite nice to have a tree plant in my favourite park. This tree donated by the Invercargill Vegan Society. Towards a world where everyone is called friend is a suffix. White letters carved into black stone. This world would be a better place if we all called other animals something. Friend. I.e. chicken friend, hen friend, peep peep friend, Mr. Rooster friend, and so on.
Hey, know what's manly? Being 90 kilograms in weight, 1.95 meters tall, and killing animals weighing 1 or 2 kilograms and well below your knee in height. Yeah man, the KFC Double Down Burger is coming to New Zealand. That's the one where there's none of that unhealthy bread being used. Instead it's a burger made from deep fried or grilled flesh on top and bottom, with a bunch of crap, not literal crap, in between. Of course the corporation's fine print mentions, from the New Zealand Herald, the KFC New Zealand website recommends eating sensibly combined with appropriate exercise is the best solution for a healthy lifestyle. And I'm sure that's in gigantic font at the very top of the page, right? The KFC Australia Facebook page includes a countdown to the release of the new burger. April is the month of man time from KFC, a time where testosterone reigns supreme, where we all die of face first into man stuff, deemed stupid by our female friends, a message reads. So put down that man bag, pick up the Xbox controller, strap on your go-kart helmet and get ready for the month that makes you remember how good it is to be a man! Yeah, because all men are fat and dumb, right? Half the population is Homer Simpson, while our marges shake their heads at our gluttony and crayon up the nose induced idiocracy. A couple clips from recent No Agenda and This Week in Tech podcasts. Uh, I should mention, John... I also got an email the last time I wore that hat from somebody who said, if you think it's funny to pretend you're a Chinese communist, you've just lost a viewer. <laughs> <laughs> the lunatic fringe will always. They're out this, there, is baby. Not, this is They're a hat. Out. This is not Chinese communist. This is Berkeley. Yeah, this that's Berkeley, co- Berkeley communist. So I mean, if you don't like Berkeley, yeah, maybe you can not watch anymore. But this is Berkeley. It's yeah. Berkeley, baby. That really favors you, that hat. It does look good. You ought to wear that around. That's one thing about mouth caps. They look good on everybody. It is nice. Who knew? I, we know you know, now. We, when the first time we went to China, we tried to get some of these things. You couldn't buy anything like that anywhere. No. It's ridiculous. No. There's a big back on every corner. I don't know where you even got this. I got it in China. Really? Yeah. Well, it's made in China. No, I got it in China. Yeah. I got really? it in Beijing. Because yeah. I could like never everything. find They started. Just Nowadays, you can get all that stuff. Yeah. I got this hat in Russia in St. Petersburg. Really? You'd never know. You only wear authentic, authentically sourced hat. hats. I yeah. only wear authentic hats. You're like, I'm not going to wear a Mexican hat if it's not actually from Mexico. You know, you know where this, you know where this hat is from? Uh, oh. That's got to be from Mongolia. It looks Uruguay. like it, but it's Uruguay. Uruguay. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. It's an authentic Uruguayan. Those, yeah. This is. They don't have motorcycle helmets. This what is what they fur wear. Fur is that on there? It's green. <laughs> I know <laughs> no, it's, it's green, green fur. fur but I think it's probably not. I don't wear real fur. I should have told her. Oh please. Fur is murder. Fur is murder. This has got this Meat is leather. Is murder, this is murder. Fur is murder. This oh, yeah, whole hat true. is murder. And I and actually love steak. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about Audible.com now that we. And I think you give you, you, you think give he's a an honest guy, Corsai. I do. I haven't seen really? no indication that he's corrupt. <laughs> Look at the hat and the cape. How can it not be an honest guy? This is why he's dressed in the hat. The, the hat, in case you haven't been listening to the show long enough, is made of uh, calf fetuses skin. We, remember we talked about that, John? Oh yeah. Yeah. So they take a calf out of the fetus, out of the womb, the fetus, so pre-birth, they skin it, and that's what they make the guy's hat out of. How can a guy like that be okay? I mean, that's just... By the he way... should be going to Whole Foods wearing that hat. I was just going to say, Mimi should get her one of those. <laughs> it's actually quite common for New Zealand fur and leather to be sent overseas to be used in expensive clothing made from skin. Baby animals, those who are aborted naturally or otherwise, are often used. Slink skins, we call them. These are collected on farms, thrown into reeking piles of the dead, and then processed into, well, expensive clothing made from skin. 
There's no ethical difference between the apparently softer skin from aborted fetuses or the hair-free skin from animals killed as adults. Hey, here's a non-story. Last time I'll bring it up. So remember the false teeth I found belonging to a slaughterman, and the photo I showed the reporter was published as a newspaper cover? Well, yet more coverage came from it. A winner was found in the competition to share stories about needing new false teeth, and a man who's lived decades without any teeth will now be given a set. It's a nice feeling that my odd little photo has resulted in publicity for the denture company, the slaughterman got his teeth back, and another guy will also have a new set of shiny white plastic in his mouth. And all this from my being over-opinionated, taking lots of photos and sharing them about like people are going to give a damn. Yeah, part of me thought I would be like in Spider-Man, where photographers get given the big bucks. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal, that's who he is. A vigilante, a public menace. What's he doing on my front page? Mr. Jameson, your wife is on line one. She needs to know if you... Mr. Jameson, this is a page six problem. We have a page one problem, shut up. Right. Well, he's news. They're really important clients, they can't wait. They're about to. He pulled six people off that subway car. Sure, from a wreck he probably caused. Something goes wrong and this creepy crawler is there. Look at that, he's fleeing the scene. What's that tell you? He's not fleeing, he's probably going to save somebody else. He's a hero! Then why does he wear a mask, hmm? What's he got to hide? She just needs to know if you want the chintz or the chenille in the dining room. Whichever one's cheaper. Mr. Jameson, it's like this. We double book page six. See, so both Macy's and Conaway's both have three quarters of the same. We sold out four printings. Sold out? Every copy. Tomorrow morning, Spider-Man, page one, with a decent picture this time. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page seven. I make it page eight and give him 10% off. Okay. I make it 5%. That can't be done. Get out of here! Problem is, we don't have a decent picture. Eddie's been on it for weeks. We can barely get a glimpse of him. Oh, what, is he shy? If we can get a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, we can certainly get a picture of this weirdo. Put an ad on the front page. Cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. He doesn't want to be famous, and I'll make him infamous. They're crap. 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 Mega crap. I'll give you 200 bucks for all of them. That seems a little low. Take them somewhere else, then. So your wife says the tile you ordered for the foyer is out of stock. Tell her we'll just put a rug there. Sit down. Give me that. I'll give you 300. That's a standard freelance fee. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photos. Menace? He was protecting that armor I'll tell you what, Atticus, you take the pictures, I'll make up the headlines, okay? All right? That okay with you? Yes, sir. Goody. Give this to the girl up front, just so you get paid. I'd like a job, sir. No jobs. Freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more shots of that newspaper-selling clown, maybe I'll take him off your hands. But I never said you have a job. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Bring me more photos. Mm, I'll skip on the flesh, thanks. Got any tofu? But that movie came out in 2002, and it's 2011. Mainstream media's gone down the crapper since. I'm trying to use the word crap as much as possible in this episode. They don't have any money or tofu to give away to people who give them a cover photo and future material for three more issues. I mentioned the slaughterman put $40 in my hand. That was nice. I didn't want it from him. But it's a little hard to argue with a guy over it when he's standing on your driveway asking to come inside your house to wash the now rain-washed-away vomit from his false teeth, and you want this epic saga over and done. I'm thrilled the mighty Invercargill Vegan Society got mentioned, though. It's always great to see the word vegan mentioned in a newspaper. 
I don't think I'd ever heard the term vegan before I was myself vegan. I do believe if I had met vegans before, that I would have been curious and would have become vegan at an earlier age. Coverage of the issues will get us there, and an almost trivial amount of effort, wearing badges or carrying a bag that says vegan on it, it turns you into a walking billboard for the cause. An example of vegetarianism was mentioned in a somewhat recent movie, Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah, I've just seen it now. <laughs> I thought the assassin nympho chick was a cashier cameo. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses, I'm out the door, I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes, trying on all our clothes, clothes. Boys blowing up our phones, phones. Drop top and playing our favorite CDs. Pulling up to the parties, trying to get a little bit tipsy. Don't stop making pop DJ You can tell the song is a made-up story. It came out in 2009, and what young person, brushing their teeth with hard alcohol or not, listens to audio CDs? If they did, it certainly wouldn't be around their friends. It's embarrassing. These days, it's all about the iPods and the iPhones and streaming music over 3G. Okay, so a big breakthrough song, TikTok, technically came out a month or two after the movie, Big deal. You know how product placement is. And apparently Transformers 2 are the most product placement of any movie. It's obvious that the reptilian elites who control the world woke up in the morning, next to a bottle of Jack, why not, and decided to promote both the terrible movie and the terrible pop star together. Well, she wasn't Kasia, it was some Australian actress in the movie, who happens to be vegetarian. Transformers 2, aka the worst movie ever. Seriously. How can a naval railgun charge up instantly or in a second or two and aim and instantly charge and aim in a second and blow up a gigantic monster scaling a pyramid in less than a couple seconds? It didn't even have to aim, and it must have been far away from said gigantic robot monster made of diggers and bulldozers and cranes, one of the most detailed CG monsters in history that apparently had huge render times, and they were blown apart in a couple seconds? Boom! That's it! Millions of dollars, and they get killed that easy. The movie's redeeming feature is its mentions of killing animals as being nasty, and for dropping the little V-word, vegetarian. Here's to a world where more blockbuster movies, crap as they might be, talk about the big V-word, veganism. Alicia, mi amor. Can I interest you in an 18 inch zookeeper special? Yeah, extra large triple cheese with every known animal as a topic. Basically, I've got like 18 inches of meat. Unless you're vegetarian. Alright, it's cool. I am too. Sam home? That are projected images off of your brain? Right. Meat locker! Now! Dead pigs. Yuck. What you're about to see is top secret. Do not tell my mother. Swine flu. Not good. Now you know. Next time you eat a goat or a pig, there's a story behind it. Sad little story. Kids, listen to Optimus Prime in the first movie. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings.
like the giant robot who beats up other giant robots because they're the bad guys, remember, just said, go vegan. Speaking of violence, it's always important to keep our cool when disagreeing with others. I've noticed a few other vegans getting very angry, or at least coming across as very angry. I get very passionate about the subject. I have some skin in the game, so to speak. I look after my chicken friends, and yet we kill some 49 billion chickens each year. For what? Tradition? Perceived fun? I don't like being around my other human friends while they eat, because it seems more than likely they eat part of a chicken each and every day, a chicken really no different than those who are my friends. No matter how awful non-veganism is, I try my best to always be calm. Especially in text and when talking with non-vegans, anything we say can and will be used against us. I get more depressed seeing aggressive vegans apparently fighting and bickering with non-vegans than I do when I hear of non-vegans who talk about eating animals. We're a very small portion of society. I mean, the Invercargill Vegan Society has chapters worldwide, but sometimes I forget, we're kinda tiny in Invercargill. In my city of 50,000 people, I know of about five vegans. I've met one young woman here who said she was vegan, and heard of about four others who are apparently out there living amongst us. We shouldn't appear to attack others for not being vegan, which, in their eyes, might seem bizarre and utterly impossible. It's times like this we should chill out and listen to America's greatest president. I mean, you guys have so many great ones to pick from, right? They all lie, start wars, deny citizens health care, set up their business buddies with billion dollar deals, cheat on their wives, mutilate the English language, even the already bashed up American English variant, promise to close down illegal prisons where people were tortured uh, and don't. Well, as Sir Nixon said, Always remember, others may hate you, but those who hate you don't win unless you hate them. And then you destroy yourself. And if you don't win, you kick yourself in the butt and be sure you don't make the same mistakes again. Great words, Mr. President. Really a himza, because Nixon would never do anything illegal or creepy or weird, right? People might get angry at us, but we can always be calm and peaceful and polite. We can link to other sources. If they get crazy, well, then they're the ones that look nuts, don't they? However, if things go really bad, you can politely leave an online conversation or gently move the topic while talking in person. If the other person isn't listening, and is not going to listen, trying to scream over them, Meet his murder! You're a murderer! You're a terrible, terrible person for killing my chicken friends! will get us nowhere. When I speak with someone I disagree with, I genuinely want them to agree with me by the time we've each said our piece. What's the fun in beating someone up, making them look stupid in front of others? When I talk online, if I give others that are too polished or with too many links, can't you think for yourself? People really don't like that. They don't like being made to feel like you've really thumped them. Like you think they are very, very stupid and that you're so much smarter. I find this when talking about veganism with non-veganism, and when talking with vegans who promote welfare reforms, when I believe we should be promoting veganism instead. My aim is to make people like me. I'm so desperate to be liked, you know, and to agree with my argument. I don't get out of bed every morning to have a screaming match via text with some 12-year-old on the other side of the world. I have better things to do with my life. Ah, see, I threw that in as an example. It would be bad of me to say that. Whatever, I have better things to do with my life than talk with you. You don't get it. Instead, I'd say, 
It's been nice talking about veganism with you. I'd better go outside into the southern sun and see my chicken friends. Take care. If the conversation is going nowhere, and fast, it's better to end it on your own terms, nicely. End the conversation with class. You don't have Nixon to kick around anymore. And although it seems heaven sick, we ain't great to see a black president. Uh, it ain't a secret or concealed effect. The penitentiary's packed and it's filled with blacks. But some things will never change. Try to show another way, but it's staying in the dope game. Now tell me what's a mother to do. Being real don't appeal to the brother in you. You gotta operate the easy way. I made a G today. But you made it in a sleazy way. Sell a crack to the kids. I gotta get paid. Well, hey, well that's the way it is. Well, you were right there, not in your lifetime at least. Tupac Shakur, June 16th, 1971 to September 13th, 1996. That was a really long time ago. As Mr. Park said, keep your head up. Keep carrying bags for NZ Vegan Podcast and the Invercargill Vegan Society. Wear your little, I'm vegan and I love you, badges on your work overalls. Proudly model an Emmy James original, it's easy to be vegan shirt. And keep some cheap business cards for your one-man vegan society band with you wherever you go. We can always be ready to promote veganism to those who are willing to listen. And those who are not yet ready to hear us out? Well, we'll just have to wait for the orbital V-ray satellite to take care of them. Oh wait, that wasn't Nixon, that was Mr. Ray Gun. And then you come again, you know what time it is, if he's the president, pulling out my Ray Gun, zap the next one, I could be a showgun. Don't last a minute. Soft and smooth, I ain't with it. Hardcore, raw bone like a razor. I'm like a laser, I just won't phase ya. Old enough to raise ya, so this will phase ya. Get it right, boy, maybe I will praise ya. Playing the role I got sold to. Voice my opinion with volume. Smooth, not what I am. Rock, cause I'm a man, no matter what the name. We're all the same, pieces in one big chess game. We can do our best to promote veganism and have fun along the way. I know I'm glad for all the friends I've made promoting veganism. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com To show off how fancy I am, I've been using bit.ly links for each episode, a shortcut to each episode's script and sources. Just go to www.bit.ly slash coexist49 for episode 49. Episode 51 was bit.ly slash coexist51. 47 was bit.ly slash coexist47, and so on. If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, Send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com or on Twitter, twitter.com slash j-a-y-w-o-n-t-d-a-r-t. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.